Well, good morning. It's so good to have all of you here and uh, worshiping the Lord together. It's going to be a great morning. And uh, I, I just wanted to share something about uh, my personal life. In the past three months, my life completely changed. And there's many things that happened, but one big thing that altered it forever, and that was marriage. I married the love of my life. And in the first, I know she's awesome. She puts up with me. So, and she also in the first month of our marriage, uh, Selena was working as a flight attendant, and so there were times when we were separated for maybe one day, but maybe up to three or four days at a time, and that was very difficult. It was not fun to be separated from uh, your new bride, and uh, she, I know, longed for me as I, as I longed for her, but uh, she is incredibly gracious to put up with me, and so I'm thankful for that. But she and I missed each other so badly, and I remember sitting there thinking, how much I missed her. And then I read this psalm, Psalm 42, which is where we're going to be this morning, and I began to process and think, hmm, I don't always miss God like I miss her. Like, you know those times when you're distant from God? You know those times when your prayer life just isn't the same? And when maybe you don't even open the Bible to hear him talk back to us, maybe it's just a one-way conversation, we're talking to him, but never letting him talk back to us through his word. And I was in some seasons like that, and I thought, you know, in those moments of dryness in my spiritual life, I didn't always miss God the same way. And it convicted me. And as I read this passage, I realized that that there's a lot that this psalmist is going through that made him miss and long for God. And there's a few things we can learn as we read this psalm together that will transform the way we have our relationship with God and the way we deal with trials and difficulties whenever we face them. And so if you'll open up in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 42 with me. Psalm chapter 42. We're going to read the whole chapter, so follow along in your copy of God's Word. If you don't have one, then we'll get you a Bible, uh, but we have uh, the words up on the screen as well. Verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng, with the group of people of worshipers, and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Verse 5, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you at turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. The roar of your waterfalls, all the breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, the song in with... Uh, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why, why have you forgotten me? Like, where are you, God? Why, why do I go on mourning, being broken, because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? 
Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you at turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation in my God. Have you ever been where the psalmist is in this moment? Have you ever felt what he is feeling here? I imagine that he, as someone being run off from his nation, becoming an exile, having to live off the land, having to find water and food on his own and not having anyone really to have a deep relationship with, not even being able to go to church. And we've been exiled from church for a while. This is our third week back and it's great to be back. But he was gone. He was exiled from his nation and from his church. He was distanced and broken and had all sorts of pain going on in his life. And I imagine he was something like Survivor Man. Has anyone seen Survivor Man? Uh, it's an old, older show, at least, where this man went around and he tried to survive in different places. And this is a picture of him in the desert. And I imagine that the psalmist, being exiled from his country, trying to make it in the desert, is longing for food and for water, for shelter. Unlike Survivor Man, though, he did not know when he was going to get uh, released from that. He did not know when he would escape. He didn't know if he was going to even have the next breath. The psalmist is in crazy pain. And some of you are in that desert. Some of you right now are feeling it. And you can relate to this psalm, and some of you will feel it. So get ready. Let's talk about life. Let's just start off talking about life. Verses 3 through 8, we see the psalmist talk about life and how things are going for him. And things are not great. You know, how, how many of y'all have ever experienced some memories that really hurt. And maybe they're painful memories about something that someone said to you, maybe a relationship that went bad or something like that, but maybe you remember good memories. And, and those good memories hurt. Because maybe right now the season you're in is not good. Maybe before coronavirus, you had a job. Maybe before things were different, you had a better, uh, a better life. Maybe back then your kid was like always obedient and saying, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And now they've gone wild and you're going, what is going on? You're not the person you used to be. And so maybe you're going through that time of life right now where the good memories maybe even hurt as much or more as the bad memories. That's where the psalmist is because he's remembering the triumphal entry where he used to lead the people into this place. He used to lead the people into the temple of God, worshiping him and magnifying God in this beautiful display of, of worship and glorification to God. And he had a place of prominence, but now it's all gone. His place of prominence is gone. His nation is gone. His love for these people, he's not even close to them anymore. And his ability to worship God in the temple is gone. And now he's being chased by his enemies, mocked by them, saying, where is your God? He's hurting badly. And I, I don't know if you're depressed already. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but if you are, but here's some more bad news. Life doesn't stop, does it? Have you ever been there where like, you think that you are about to get a break and then it just continues to go, like one thing after another? 
And we just left this, this season about a month ago where it was one thing after another. Whether it's a family member dying, or whether it's your plans being completely ruined, or your job being taken away, you, you kind of feel like you're under a waterfall. Now imagine with me you're under this waterfall, okay? You look up, and you see water coming down on you. And as the water leaves the, the cliff here and starts coming down towards you, it forms together almost in like this big clump, this sheet of water. And as it hits you, it pummels you. And you kind of take a breath, like a half of an inhalation, and then another chunk of water crashes over you. The psalmist says, to God. Your breakers and your waves are coming over me. They don't stop. God, can I get a break? That's where he is in this moment. And, and the crazy thing is the Bible doesn't tell us that as soon as we accept Jesus, all of a sudden we're not going to struggle anymore. All of a sudden we're not going to have pain. We can just you know, have health, wealth, prosperity, right? No. In 1 Peter, it actually says this, beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes to you and tests you as though something strange were happening to you. He's like, don't think it's strange whenever suffering comes. We should not think it's crazy that we don't have this get out of suffering pass whenever we receive Jesus. Instead, the apostles and the early Christians and many since then have really lived a life defined by suffering. And so I've been a downer, but let's ask this question. Why? Have you ever been in that moment now? Why is this waterfall coming down on me? Why am I out in the desert? Why can't I have relief and God just give me a break, please? Why? The answer is because the suffering makes us thirst. Verses 1 and 2. We see him cry out, My soul pants for you. For flowing streams, so my soul for you, O oh God, pants. My soul thirsts for God in the suffering and in the difficulty. That's when our soul starts longing for God, starts desiring him more than anything else because we've tried other things and they don't help, do they? We may think they will, but they really just leave us broken on the side of the road. And so as a deer has been like chased. This is the, the picture he's giving. As a deer who's been chased by a wolf throughout the desert is destitute. It's longing for water. It is about to perish without water. So the psalmist has been chased by his enemies and he is just ready to give up the ghost. This isn't a, I need a Dr. Pepper because I just ate a fajita thirst, okay? This is a, if I don't have a glass of water, I will shrivel up and die thirst. This is desperation. So, he's desperate spiritually for God. You know, you can't make it very long without Christ. As a Christian, if you're a Christian in this room or watching online, you can't make it very long without Christ. I've tried many times and I've failed over and over and been left more broken than whenever I tried to make it without him on my own. We can't make it long without Christ. And I find it interesting, you know, we can survive like 30 days or so, plus and minus, 30 days plus or minus food. We can survive without 
food and we can make it when we're hungry, but, but only three days without water and we're toast. Like, we shrivel up. Did you know the psalmist, did you notice how he didn't say hunger? He didn't say, oh God, I can make it 30 days without you. I mean, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, but I can make it without you for a little while. No, he's saying, I can't make it at all without you. I thirst for you. I long for you. We can't make it long without Christ, without running to him. And maybe, maybe you have, uh, have seen Hebrews chapter 4.16 before. But in Hebrews chapter 4.16, it unlocks it unlocks the treasure chest of mercy and grace. Because when we're underneath that waterfall, when we're in the desert and we're about to die and perish and we feel like we can't make it, Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. So right now, maybe you are in that moment of I'm about to give up, I can't make it. In this moment, right now, make a decision. I will approach the throne of grace because there we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. And so that's always available to us. But why? Why is it available to us? Why do we have this throne of grace to go to and find mercy in our time of need? If you haven't been listening to this whole message, I don't blame you, but this part, please tune in. Jesus thirsted so we wouldn't have to. Jesus, let's sink in for a second, he thirsted so that we don't have to. In John 19, 28, Jesus is on the cross. And imagine him there, beaten beyond recognition, blood flowing from his body. Yes, he was physically thirsty because he had no more, no more water inside of him. It was all gone. And he's hanging on that cross, suffocating and pushing himself up on his feet that have a nail pierced through them just to get a breath. And he cries out, I thirst. Are you there with him right now? on Calvary's mountain, sitting with Mary, looking up at him, hearing him cry out, I thirst. And I, I know the physical thirst must have been unbelievable, but I'm taking liberty here. I, I don't think that he's just saying, I'm physically thirsty. Because in that moment, the Bible says the one who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And what is it that separates us from God? It's sin. So in that moment, the one who knew no sin, the one who had never been separated from God for all of eternity, he gave that up and he took your sin and mine on himself. He was separated from God and he was thirsty for God like we could never even begin to imagine and in that moment, he not only just thirsted physically and suffered and died, and that's the end of the story. What he was doing was paying the price so that we don't have to thirst spiritually anymore. He was up there dying on the cross so that 
anyone who trusted in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So that anyone who placed their full faith and trust that Jesus died for their sins and rose again and that they want to follow him the rest of their life would never thirst again. Jesus says, I am the living water. He is the one who has made it possible when we are spiritually done, when we are under the waterfall that will not stop, when we are in the desert about to die of dehydration, he's the one that paid for us the way to not thirst anymore. That happens by starting a relationship with Jesus. And maybe that needs to happen for you this morning for the first time. So if you're a non-believer, maybe you're watching, you haven't began a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about just saying I'm a Christian. Anyone can say, like, I can stand in a garage, like I'm standing in this church, and say, I'm a car. It doesn't make me a car. Just like us standing in church and saying, I'm a, I'm a Christian, does not make us a Christian. What makes us a follower, a Christian, is by trusting that Jesus has died for your sin and risen again, period. And you want to follow him and obey him with your full life, with everything you have. That's a relationship with Jesus. That's what it looks like. So we start a relationship with Jesus because he thirsted so we don't have to. But if you're a Christian in this room, you may be thinking, well, I'm still suffering. I'm still going through junk. I want to give you two ways that the psalmist used to find relief from his thirst, from his brokenness, from his pain. This is for believers. If you don't know Jesus yet, that's the first step. But here, for us who do know him, let's talk to God. You know, whenever I was growing up, uh, there there was one person that no matter what I was going through, I could run to him. And I could, just like this, picture. I could be running to him, and he would reach down, pick me up, and hold me. That was my father and my mother as well. And I remember always having this trust, like childlike trust in him. And oftentimes, we as Christians, with our spiritual needs, with our depression, our anxiety, with our lack of faith, with our unbelief, we We run to other things. We run to that Dr. Pepper that leaves us more thirsty after we've drank it than before. We run to maybe a relationship that's broken. We run to sex or drugs or alcohol or maybe to power, to money, chasing the promotion and finding some sort of identity in that. That maybe I'll be okay now. And we always are left thirsting for him even more at the end. So we run not to the Father, but to other things. So I want to challenge you to when you are struggling and when it's hard to talk to God, because maybe you're like, I'm just mad at him right now. I just don't understand him. I don't know if he's even going to understand me right now. I, I just don't want to talk to him. No, no, push through it and talk to him. Open the line of communication and talk to him because there's a few things that we can know without a doubt found in Psalm uh, chapter 42, verse 8. In verse, uh, actually 9, it says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Sometimes we forget that Jesus is the rock that never moves. 
Sometimes we think that the baggage we have is so heavy that if we were to give it to him, we were to surrender it to him, that maybe that would crush him. That maybe us pushing against him and going, God, I'm wrestling with you. That maybe it would move him. The psalmist knows he's the rock. And you can know he's the rock that never moves. That in that place where you are struggling to give him your junk, I don't know if it's a bad relationship that has caused a lot of pain in your life that you just refuse to let go of and give to him, or maybe it's a sin struggle that you're constantly dealing with that you feel like, God, I can't give that to you. I don't want to, I don't want to throw that on you. You got a whole world around. You got all these like atoms with electrons going around. You got to make sure those work. And then you got to like spin the galaxy over there and Andromeda's over there. You got to spin that one too. And you know, I, I don't know if you can handle this. You got so many things going on. He is the rock that never moves. He can handle your burdens. He can handle your pain. And and he can actually handle criticism even. Uh, don't raise your hand, but if you, or look at anyone in this room, but if you have that friend that you love, but you're like always trying to dance around their emotions, you're like afraid that, oh, if I step there, then uh, they are going to not love me anymore. Oh, uh, they're so easily offended. If I say this, and if I tell them the truth, they, they're not going to like me anymore. We all have that friend, right? That's just so sensitive. They can't handle any truth. You know, I think of, <laughs> I think of the, the movie, uh, A Few Good Men, and uh, that, that one moment when the colonel is being asked, give me the truth, and he says, you can't handle the truth, you know? And this became a meme that I use whenever my, my friends ask me questions. And I'm like, you can't handle the truth, here you go, you know? And, and in that moment that we say, you can't handle the truth to God, what we are saying is I really am afraid that if I tell you the truth right now, it's going to change our relationship, that you won't love me as much, that you're going to get your feelings hurt. Okay, look, let's look, just look at verse 9. Why have you forgotten me? Like he cries out and says, why have you forgotten me, God? He puts God on blast. He's like going after God in this moment. And guess what? God's not offended like, you don't see in here God's wrath turn on the psalmist and say, why are you sharing your vexes and your pains with me? Why, why do you share that you feel like it's unfair right now? How dare you? No. No, of course not. God can handle the truth. So share it with him. That's the first thing that we need to do as believers is we need to talk to God. But you know, we also... We also need to talk to ourselves. Have you ever known that crazy person? And maybe, I know some of our uh, law enforcement officials in the room, you guys understand what it's like to in encounter someone that is having a conversation with four different people, but there's only one person there, you know, and like, you're trying to figure out who am I talking to? Who is it that I need to like talk down right now? And, and you're thinking this person is absolutely insane. Well, hey, I just want to tell all of you right now, whether you're offended or not, you are the crazy person, okay? Because whether you vocalize it or not, you and I talk to ourselves more than anyone else talks to us. Like, we are constantly talking to ourselves. And imagine with me, if we were to take all of that talking and we were to put it on 
a, uh, on a T-chart, positive and negative. How much of what you say to yourself is negative? And how much of what you say to yourself is positive? For me, the list of positivity goes about that long, and the list of negativity goes from here, down, over there, out the door, you know, it's gone. And so we are constantly speaking negativity into our lives, and the reason is we lie to ourselves constantly. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's our hearts. We believe the lies of the enemy and then we buy into them and then we start believing junk. And so what happens is evil thoughts, negative thoughts go into our brain and our minds control our hearts and our hearts control our hands and our feet and our mouth. Our hearts change the way we treat other people. Our hearts change the way we talk. Our hearts change the way we love and express that love. But it starts with the mind. If you're constantly thinking negativity, then that's going to alter your heart. And that's going to alter your life. So what we need to do to reverse that, just like the psalmist did, Notice there's a shift in who he's talking to. He's talking first to, to God and just, you know, he's given a prayer out there, but then he starts talking to himself. Let's look for a second. Look at verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you at turmoil within me? He's the crazy person, right? But that crazy person is changing his mindset, by speaking truth into his mind. So what we need to do is to start telling your heart what to believe. Start telling your heart what to believe. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, (laughs) it's this incredible quote, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Instead of saying, Jesus has redeemed me, Jesus has made me a new person. That sin does not define me anymore. And I have power to fight that sin now because of what he did for me on the cross and through the resurrection. And I will fight that sin and I will overcome it instead of going, eh, I am am a slave to this sin. See the difference that changes our minds and then our hearts and then our actions. And it'll change not just our mind, our hearts, and our actions, but it will change our entire life. You will begin to command your heart whenever you speak and talk truth to yourself. So I want to challenge you with this final thing. I want you to make a declaration, just like this series is I declare. I want you and me to declare that I will talk truth into my life heart. Because it's when we talk truth into our hearts that our minds change, our hearts transform, and the outlook we have in the middle of the waterfall, in the middle of the desert, when we're thirsting and we're hurting and we're broken, it changes everything about how we respond to life as Christians. So start reminding yourself of the gospel, the good news every day. Start telling yourself the truth of God's power in your life. Start seeing his love for you in every detail of life. And maybe some of you are thinking, as the band comes up and we get ready to close, you're thinking, I just don't know how. 
I, I don't know how I can begin to know this truth. Well, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so maybe you can't talk truth into your heart because you don't know truth himself. Jesus. And what you can do this morning, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, in this moment, you can make a decision that I will believe that Jesus just like I talked about earlier, hung on that tree, was punished for me, and then died so that I don't have to. And he rose again three days later, conquering sin and death and shame and the grave. And anyone who trusts in him, the Bible promises, will have everlasting life. Have you done that? Are we plain church or are we the church? Because it's in that moment you will receive power. Power to trust him when you thirst. To find joy. To find fulfillment in that moment of the desert. So maybe you need to make that decision this morning. In, a, in just a moment, I'm going to pray. The band's going to play. As soon as I say amen, we're all going to stand. And if you in this room right now need to make a decision, I want to follow Jesus. I want to start this relationship with him. All you have to do is come down and talk to myself or Jason. We'll be down here in the front. Maybe you don't feel comfortable because of the virus. You can fill out a connection card that's, or a decision card right there in the front of your pew. Or if you're online, you can click the decision link and you can ask for prayer. You can text the number on your screen. You can reach out to us and we will reach back out to you. And maybe you need to join the church because maybe you don't have community. Maybe you're alone in the desert right now. And you need a team to fight with you. And so you too come or fill out that card. And maybe, maybe you've trusted Jesus, you're a part of the church, but you just haven't really been baptized yet. That first step of obedience, if you want to do that, we are more than excited to help you in that.